0: Well, welcome to our second week in studying the tabernacle. And if you're asking yourself, why would you even want to study the tabernacle? Because here's why, God for 40 days, for 40 days showed Moses the design and the purpose and the intention of this way of worshiping him. It was God's design to bring us from a place where we're far from God to close to God, because God loves you. And God would do anything and did everything that's needed so you could be close to him. And tonight uh, we have some amazing people with us, but I'm gonna say we have three special guests uh, that I want you to know about. Emma is here and Emma, welcome. We're so excited. So, here's what I want to tell you. Emma is a key uh, figure in our Spanish ministry. And I love our Spanish ministry. So, tell everybody uh, about our Spanish ministry.
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, I am obsessed with our congregation. We have about close to 300 people that gather every Sunday morning uh, to worship Jesus. And uh, honestly, I see the Holy Spirit moving greatly. Uh, On a weekly basis, we have new visitors and people giving their lives to Jesus. So, it's awesome to be a part of that.
0: Yeah, and when you include online, I think it's four weeks in a row, it's over 500 people uh, that are a part of the Spanish ministry, uh, which I love. And so you and Pastor Noah and everybody else, and uh, probably we'll have you on a team uh, pretty soon going to Honduras to baptize people. Is that exciting Super or what? Super
1: excited. Yes, Argentina I think is also in the works, so that's awesome, yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm loving that. By the way, uh, uh, Emma, it's an r- actual miracle that we got her. Uh, It's a miracle that God brought you to us. And on the weekend, we're doing a series on miracles. And so I want to say, whenever I see you, I go, man, God, you did that. You orchestrated that. We got Emma uh, because of God. I I really think that's true, isn't it? The timing and everything.
1: Praise Jesus,
0: yes. Yeah. And then two of our other special guests are here tonight. Uh, Steve and Jess are here. And it's a miracle that Steve got Jess. That, that, I'm not even kidding. It's a miracle. No. All of us are looking, going, how did that even happen? We go, it's God, right, Steve? Yeah, all You got to talk in the mic. Yeah, all God. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I forgot to talk in the mic. <laughs> He's just one of our best teaching pastors ever. Yeah, but you got to use the mic, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys were so amazing this weekend.
1: Thanks, Pastor Chuck. That's very sweet. And
0: you love Dr. Carolyn Leaf like I do.
1: I do. I think she's really awesome. I really do.
0: Didn't you say she was, like, life-changing for you?
1: Yeah. In college, I, you know, was just struggling with, like, I was overwhelmed all the time, just trying to get, like, all my classes and what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I felt like after I read her book, it just really helped me not to get overwhelmed with so many thoughts and not to slip in a depression, you know, because like you just you're making so many decisions um so it was really cool to read her book and just learn how
2: to
0: manage myself, so. Yeah, and uh, so already I I was going to ask you, it works, right? Yeah, for sure. It really, really works, and that's what we want all of you to know. So if you didn't catch the weekend message, uh, you got to go catch Dr. Leaf, and it really does work. By the way, uh, Stephen, for a long time, led our JHM ministry, our junior high ministry, did a phenomenal job. Now he's, uh, 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 Noah transitioned with Stephen in a very healthy transition handoff, Uh, so now Stephen and Jess are leading our C ministry along with Laura, right? Yeah, yes, so it's talk amazing. about Sia,
2: man. Yeah, so uh, is our college young adult ministry here at the church, and we meet on Thursdays, and uh, we meet at 7 o'clock for some hangs, and then 7.30 worship starts, and uh, God's doing some incredible things over there. We just had a worship night on Friday. It was insane, and it's just so cool to see what God's doing and how he's moving. Yeah, we're releasing a huge uh, a bunch of new, eight new songs. Yes, eight
0: new songs in January. Oops, uh, I'll say that.
2: Wednesday night you get a free um, promo.
0: Oh, all right. Yeah, 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 which I'm so excited about. But I have another special guest I want to introduce you to right now. Uh, as we get ready, we're going to be uh, diving into the Tabernacle series. Uh, but Pam and I, and I'm going to tell you more about this later, uh, we were able to get this little girl to, as an addition to our family. So this is Zena, and Zena is a St. Berdoodle. That means she's a St. Bernard poodle mix. Uh, she's going to be big. Uh, she's going to be really, really big. And uh, you can see all the, the St. Bernard color in her, uh, right? And uh, she's super, super smart. Uh, and I'll tell you what, it's already a blessing, right? Yes. She's so fun. Yeah. She really, really is. So I wanted to show you her. And then we're going to show you another member of our family later. Uh, But here's what I want you to think about. God loves you. I mean, when I say that, I hope you don't just go, oh, yeah, I know. No, I mean, God really loves you. And what we saw when we studied the Bible in the Garden of Eden, that Adam and Eve sinned and they broke fellowship with God and God wanted them close and now they were far away. Uh, There was a a Grand Canyon distance between them and God because of sin. And so what God did is he came into the garden and he began to walk and he said, where are you? Where are you? There's never a moment that God, even though he knows where you are, isn't calling out, hey, where are you? Because I want to be close to you. He wants to spend time with you. Then when you fast forward into the book of Exodus, we see that God called Moses to go up onto a mountain with him. And for 40 days and 40 nights, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, but he actually spent more time on the tabernacle than he did the Ten Commandments, which here's what I want you to know. Probably you know about the Ten Commandments, but most people don't know about the tabernacle. Why would he spend 40 days and 40 nights giving very specific instructions on how the tabernacle should be made, what it should be made out of, what colors it should have, how the worship should occur within it? Why did God do that? Because the tabernacle is about going from being far from God to close to God. And we started this last week, but I want to take you through the understanding because we need to know that's God's intentional design of how we enter into closeness with him, genuine relationship with him. And and even though we do not have a tabernacle today, God puts his tabernacle over us, we saw that last week, so that we would experience closeness to him. But we still go through the same steps. So let me give you an idea of it. Uh, There's a really cool thing on YouTube called the 3D Tabernacle of Moses, which we have permission to use. And you can go and look at this anytime on YouTube. But I want you to see it with me right now. This is how how we go from being far from God to close to God. So God told the people, come and meet with me in what's called the tabernacle or the tent of the meeting. So all of the people wherever they lived now could begin to move and go through the opening gate of the tabernacle. And the first thing they would see is the brazen altar, which we're going to talk about tonight. And that's where sacrifice brings us into the presence of God. You'll understand that more in just a minute. Then from the brazen altar, what would happen is you would go to a place of sanctification, which we need to go to too, where you go to the laver. It's a place of washing. Now, because of that, You're ready to stand in front of the very tent of the meeting where you would meet with God. And when it opens up, you would begin to experience the presence of God in the Holy Place. And so the goal is to get you to the Holy of Holies, but in the outer area, the holy place, you would look in and you would see these particular pieces of furniture that are objects of worship. This is the lampstand that would show you that God wants to put love and light into your life. This is the table of showbread where God wants to give you sustenance and he wants to cause you to live life to the fullest. This is the altar of incense where the incense of our prayers would rise up and touch the roof, and spill over into the Holy of Holies, where is the Ark of the Covenant, and where the Ten Commandments are, and the manna, and the rod of Aaron. And on top of it was two cherubim, or angels, that would be there. So what I want you to think about is this. The goal is to get here. The goal is to get into the Holy of Holies with God, where we experience the the Ark of the Covenant's promises in our life where we would meet with God in a very real way, hear from God in a very real way, and then have the promises of God, the power of God, the provision of God, and the peace of God truly in our life on a daily basis. And God told the millions of people that were in the the wilderness at that time, he said, come and meet with me. Come and meet with me. And sadly, only two people regularly did it. Moses and Joshua. Not even Caleb, uh, who was an amazing man of God, but for some reason he stayed away. And one of my concerns is that many, many Christians are standing far away from this experience that God wants you to have, this life he wants you to know, this love he wants to have in you and on you. And people are doing what they do. Today, what they did back then, they're just standing from afar and watching other people worship and watching other people experience what they could be experiencing. And so when we come to the tabernacle, that's what I want you to know about. Now, interestingly, before you would ever see anything in the tabernacle, you would smell the smell of the tabernacle. And it was an incredible smell. It was an amazing smell because what you would do is there would be literally uh, the, the sacrifices that were offered were bulls and, and rams and, and goats and lamb, and they would be, be being barbecued on the brazen altar. And so as that smell went up from a great distance, you could not only see the smoke, you could smell the smell. Um, one of the biggest curses in the
2: COVID crisis is the loss of smell. Uh, Stephen, you had COVID, right? I had COVID. Yes. Dude. Uh, About a month ago. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And you're safe now. I'm good now. (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) Good thing. Uh, I'm distanced. You're not. Okay. Yeah. But here's the thing. What did it do to your smell and taste? I lost my taste and I lost my smell. Yeah. And you still don't have
0: your smell back.
2: I still don't have it. I don't have taste or smell. Yeah. So, so like tonight you had pizza. What did it taste like? I knew it tasted good from past experiences, but it just tasted like nothing, honestly. Like, yeah. Yeah, and you haven't lost smell, right?
1: No, I don't know if I caught COVID, to be honest with you, I don't don't know. We were together, obviously, because we're married, but I never had symptoms, so I'm just like, I quarantined just to be sure, but never caught anything, so I'm still good, I can still smell and taste. Good.
0: So like you can smell things, you can enjoy things, you can taste things and they're good. And you can just look at Steven and say, too bad.
1: (laughs) I know the other day we we forgot to take out the trash. It had been a while and it smelled bad because my sister's not home. So it was just us two. And I was like, oh my gosh. And Steve just like walked because usually he takes out the trash. I don't do that. And he walked downstairs and he just didn't notice. And I'm like, oh yeah, he can't even smell that things aren't that great right now. So I did it for him.
2: It was a blessing. God, That's when it's good not step being step able to <laughs> smell. Okay, <laughs> then, then, that 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 <laughs> would be a pretty good, good thing. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I get that. <laughs> yeah, but
0: you know what? Now amazing. that you've lost, even, even in the times of trial and struggle, like so, we can way. find out what oh, it means to consider it all joy overcome. And the places I don't to smell like. In the moment, I don't know if I smell bad. I have no idea. Deep inside. so I can miss comfort me. Yeah, so yeah. you, you know what's so interesting may because Daniel week, um, he did a 21 God, day fast, because he loves and during he you. that 21 day fast, he Daniel right did not there. bathe and, and we'll he never anointed God himself. God uh, in other words, Things it'd be again, like not joyous. showering or bathing and not uh, putting deodorant on. So 21 so days he did nice. that, and I sometimes told him, "I'm going to do that." 21 days, and then that way, you know, when you smell me,
2: you'll know you don't have COVID. We can help you take your next steps at Crossroads Church. But you wouldn't know. So next week. here's the thing. We're what do you miss On most? Like, what do you miss 7 7 the smell of Or Sundays um, at 9 a.m.? So I would if you're say on YouTube, when I get in my car, I love the smell of black ice. If you found this message encouraging, I'd love to know how we could put it in the I don't smell it any anymore. Things. So it's just like, I get my car now. Finally, if nothing. your life is being impacted by the so I miss that crossroads. for sure. And if you want okay, to be a part of making the East, you can hit the crossroads. I think right now, lavender. I really like lavender.
1: Thanks again for watching. See you next time. It makes me feel peaceful.
0: Okay, that's interesting. I'm not going to get off, but when we do a series on Song of Solomon, lavender becomes pretty big. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah, to yeah we, we won't talk about why now. Uh, <laughs> Emma, what do you love the smell of? Uh,
1: my favorite smell in the whole wide world is probably coffee.
0: Coffee, yes. I really love the smell
1: of coffee.
0: Yeah, I love, like I do too, I love coffee that's, you know, in the cup, but I love the beans. Yes. Like when uh, you open up and you can smell the coffee beans, I totally agree. Yeah, Laura, what about you?
2: Oh, um,
1: I love the smell of like Cinnabons <laughs> when you Cinnabons. go to the mall. When you go to Cinnabon.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: I go to the gym and the Cinnabon is right across from the gym. <laughs> so, yeah, I like that smell.
0: Did you say the gym? Yeah. So you go to the gym uh-huh. and then you go to Cinnabon. And I stare
1: at Cinnabon the whole time. Oh, that,
0: yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that actually sounds fun. Yes. But you know what is I love the smell of in and out Like the other day I had eaten, I was full and then I drove by in and out and I was like, I'm already hungry again because of the smell. And that's what I want you to think about is is, as you came close to the tabernacle, you would smell the smell of the barbecuing, uh, the smell of the cooking that was happening. And they would salt it and do all these things to it uh, that would make it amazing. And so what God wanted to do is begin the entry into his presence was something that would be precious, but also something that would be inviting. Now that's what I don't want you to miss. And so the tabernacle was a total sensory experience of worship. So it started off with smell. And then when the the, the tent uh, openings came and you stepped in, you would see the brazen altar in front of you. It's interesting that the idea of our prayers being pure, our prayers being Uh, having integrity. Our prayers being passionate would be like incense rising to God. And and so God said that would be something that would be pleasing for him to smell. Uh, Psalm 141 verse 2 says, may my prayer be as counted as incense before you. The lifting of my hands is the evening sacrifice. Then I love the next verse, verse 3. Set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Now, it's so interesting that David said, when I pray, I want you to love my prayers, Lord. I want it to be like, in my case, the smell of In-N-Out or lavender <laughs> uh, or one of the others, coffee. Uh, but you know, the idea that, you know what? God says, oh man, it's just something good about the way you pray. Something good about the way you come to me because God wants it to be that way. And so God wants us to have that be true. So David in verse three says something very interesting. He says, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Now here's the thing, when you come to God in prayer, what are you doing? You're talking to God and you need to be real and you need to be you, but you're talking to God. In other words, the the respect level needs to be high. When you talk to God, you you wanna say meaningful things. You wanna be real, you wanna be you, but you know what, there's something about the fact that David said, I'm with God. And God is saying, I want you to come and pray to me. I want your prayers to have something that even creates delight in the eyes of God, in the ears of God, in the heart of God, in the heart of God. Um, and, and God loves you and cares that much that he wants your prayers to be that way. So when you enter into the tabernacle and you start to go to the brazen altar, you would see the the sacrifice being given, but you would smell the smell of the meat cooking. And then if they were giving a grain sacrifice, they would pour incense on that. So you would smell that too. As so that everything would have this incredible aroma to it that God says, I want rising up to me as we get ready to enter into his presence. That's what God desires for us. And then something else we begin to learn uh, about the tabernacle in that moment is we begin to understand the preciousness of a particular sacrifice, the lamb. All the sacrifices mattered. The bull mattered. The goats mattered. The, The turtle doves mattered. But the lamb. The lamb was a part of the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. Uh, The lamb was offered at Passover is a special time of sacrifice. And when it comes to the Passover lamb, it was a pointing to Jesus's gift of laying down his life on the cross for us. Because you would not be able to enter into the rest of the tabernacle and in the presence of God without sacrifice. We cannot enter into the presence of God without the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's the only way we come in. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus was called the Passover Lamb. He was the Lamb of God. Why? Because he would be the one who would die for us, so now we do not need to offer a morning and evening sacrifice. It's a one-time sacrifice, so powerful, so meaningful. But In looking at the Passover sacrifice, we see a picture. We see a symbol of of what Jesus did, who Jesus was. In Exodus 12, verses 5 and 6, it says this. It's talking about the Passover lamb. And it says, your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now listen to the next verse. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. Now, what am I getting at here? When Passover time came, you were to go find an unblemished lamb. It to be about a year old, it needed to be perfect. By the way, that would make it expensive on top of anything else you would think about. Then you would want to protect that lamb. So you would take it into your house for 10 days. And during that time, that lamb would go from being a lamb that was to be sacrificed to a pet that you would love. Um, Jess, I bet you would love that lamb the whole time.
1: I was just thinking that, yes, I would.
0: (laughs) Yeah, like you'd get up in the morning and want to.
1: Yeah, I get attached to animals, I feel like, yeah.
0: Yeah, and here's the thing. That's why God did it. It's not out of cruelty, by the way. It was because one day he would give his only begotten son and he would want us to understand the preciousness of what he gave. So once a year he would get us to understand that in a very, very special way. And so they would take the lamb in the house on the tent and then on the 14th would come the time to sacrifice. And you would have to sit with your children. Like if you I said kids, you would have to sit with your children or sit with Sage. And you would have to explain what's going on. And, and Sage would have a hard time with it. Uh, you know, and you would talk to him about the fact that, you know what, sin is that bad. But God is, believe it or not, that good. And that God gave Jesus for us. God did that for us. And we would understand that in that very, very moment. Um, I got a taste of this. I got a picture of this. Um, We have three dogs now that we have, Zena. uh, But for a long time, we had Winston and Pepper, who are brothers and sisters. And I I brought Pepper tonight. Um, Yeah, Noah's going to bring her out right now. Come on, good girl. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah. So this girl is one of the loves of my life. And uh, she is the sweetest dog to me. (laughs) <laughs> and to Noah, but not to the rest of you guys. But, uh, but here's the thing I want you to know. Um, not very long ago, it was probably what, two months ago, three months ago? Um, I'm in bed. It's early, early in the morning, and I hear my grandson, Liam, coming down the hallway running, and I can hear he's running, and I wake right up, and he screams, coyotes are attacking Pepper. And what happened is there were three coyotes and uh, Pepper had probably somehow messed with the baby or we're not sure what happened. And they got to her and started attacking her and she started fighting back. And then her brother ran into the pack of coyotes and started fighting with them too, trying to get them off of her. And by the time I made them outside, the coyotes had left and I couldn't find Pepper. And so I'm standing on kind of this hill area and I begin to yell, Pepper, Pepper, screaming for her. And then I felt something next to my leg and I looked down and Pepper is bloody. Oh, she's a mess. And she's pushing as close as she can against me because she just wanted to be protected. She wanted to be okay. And she just wanted to be as close to me as she could be. I couldn't hardly pick her up without causing her great pain. And I'm not sure if you can see it. This is one of the scars she still has right here. Uh, She had them all over her body. This was the worst one. And um, by the time the, the vet could get to her, we had to wait almost an hour, maybe even an hour and 20 minutes. I don't even know if you can identify with what I'm trying to go to. It's like time stood still. She's bloody. We don't know if she's gonna live. And all she could do in that moment is get as close to Pam and as close to me as she could. And then when I took her in, the vet told me she's bad. She's really bad. So we went home not knowing if we'd ever see her again. And, uh, she survived. But I was thinking about this sermon. I was thinking about the fact that, you know what, when you love an animal this much and you love that lamb that much, it would really bring home to you that when you lose something precious, it hurts, it costs. And, uh, So in that moment, we were praising God, she's okay. But I started thinking about what it would be like every single year to go through that kind of pain, that kind of agony. Uh, In my studying on counseling, uh, Janae, I don't know if you had this happen to you. Janae's a counselor. Um, I had, uh, I'm going to say, four different classes on helping people deal with the loss of an animal. Did you get training like that too?
1: Just a little bit. Not too much on animals, but I wish I had.
0: Oh, Okay. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I'm a, I went to CBU for part of that. So, but it was the idea that, you know what, is, is when we imprint ourselves on an animal and, and get that close, the grieving process becomes real. You would know that. Absolutely. Yeah, and it really is. And of course it is a different than a person, but I think it's the idea you begin to understand love. You begin to understand loss. You begin to understand what it means when something precious loses its life. So at Passover time, people were to know the preciousness of the lamb. Morning and evening at the brazen altar, they would know the preciousness of the lamb. Knowing one day that the very lamb of God, Jesus, would be given for us. Why? Because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. Hebrews 9.22 says that. And according to the law, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. I'll be really honest with you. I know this is true, but I don't understand everything about it. I just know God is telling me something. God is telling you something. He's saying, unless my son Jesus dies, my only begotten son, and his blood is shed, that you and I will always have that grand canyon of sin separating us from him. So God did something. God took on flesh. God came and suffered as Jesus. And he died on the cross for our sins and his blood was shed. So you and I would know that God loves you that much. He would die for you and did die for you. And we would understand that. And every time we look at the tabernacle, we realize our being able to move beyond the brazen altar That altar of judgment, that altar of sacrifice allows us now to go to a place of sanctification, which we'll get to next week. And then we go into the promises of God, the provision of God, the peace of God, and the power of God. By the way, uh, in the tabernacle, the altar was not uh, immense. It wasn't huge because they would have to travel with it. Uh, by the way, I've got a picture to show you what it would look like uh, that I want to show you right now. So if you're looking at that with me, you could see you would enter in through the curtains here and then you would move in and you could see the blazing tabernacle that's right there. And, and that picture's the scale. So you get an idea how big it was. It was big, but it wasn't so big that it could not be carried. But it actually dwarfs a little bit the laver, which is on the other side of it, and then you get to enter into the tent of the meeting. So the size of the altar, it was seven and a half feet long and seven and a half feet wide. It was four and a half feet high. It was covered with bronze, so it would be very, very heavy. And the priests, by the way, were given very careful instructions on the fact that their robes needed to almost touch the ground so whenever they walked up to give the sacrifice, nobody could see under their robe, which would be very distracting. Now, I want to pause here because I think it's so interesting. I don't know if you guys do, that God actually took care of that much of the details. You know, in other words, when you come in, make sure you're dressed in a way that you don't distract. Um, By the way, if you're online, you probably never got to experience what I love about our church. Uh, And and what I'm saying is this. Every summer, I ask our facilities people to turn the air conditioner down as low as possible. And then I have all these people always coming up to me saying, it is so cold in here. Why? And there's two reasons. One, I don't want to get all sweaty, and that's selfish. Two, the women in our church have to dress modestly. <laughs> and they do. They, they bring sweatshirts. They cover up. It's so awesome. I never have to worry about that. But God didn't want anything to distract from that moment of sacrifice. And so what you need to know, this is one of the places that we understand a symbol that you need to know that will help you understand so much of the rest of the Bible, and that is bronze is a sign of judgment. Bronze is a sign of judgment. So just kind of remember that. So every time you read about bronze after this, you'll know this is a sign of God's judgment coming. Because while God is loving and merciful, he's also a judge who will bring judgment. Uh, By the way, in the book of Revelation, Jesus has bronze boots when he comes. And so he's coming to stamp out judgment in the last days at the second coming. So the cost of the offerings. In... The, the teaching of God, in the design of God, in the intentionality of God, he wanted us to bring five different offerings to him, five different sacrifices, all of which have value to us today. All of which are, are symbolic of things we need to do with God today to enter into his presence. But what you need to know is that none of the offerings were cheap. All, all five had a a high degree of value. All five would have took a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of sacrifice financially for you to be able to bring those. By the way, even the poor had to bring something. The Bible says, do not appear before the Lord your God empty-handed. So everybody had to bring something. Uh, By the way, when Joseph and Mary came to do an offering for Jesus, they brought two turtle doves. Uh, we read about in Leviticus 12.8 and Luke 2.24 that that's what they did. And in Leviticus 12.8, it says, if you're too poor to be able to afford a lamb, then you could bring two turtle doves." which by the way, again, that tells you that Mary and Joseph, while very loving and very kind and very godly, they didn't have a whole lot of the world's goods. As a matter of fact, they would have been considered um, in poverty almost in their day, at least poor. And in 2 Samuel, we see something very interesting. David says when he's getting ready to bring an offering to God, he said he would never offer anything to the Lord his God that cost him nothing. Now, again, you might be saying, why? Well, God in his intentional design of how we enter into his presence is we have to make a sacrifice to him that shows that we value him. So in 2 Samuel 24, 24, uh, what happened is that David was told, hey, uh, you don't have to pay for the offering you're going to give. A man named Aaron said, I'll give it for you. And David said, no, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price, for I will not offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So whenever I come before the Lord, I want to come giving my best to God. I want to come with intention. I want to come showing value to him because he shows value to me. And by the way, the the offerings that were given had to be the best of the best. Uh, In the book of Malachi, uh, God is talking to the people about why they're not experiencing his presence. And and I want you to catch this. Uh, God begins to talk about one reason he will not bless them. And listen to what the Lord says in Malachi 1 verse 6. God says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. That if I am a father, where's my honor? If I'm a master, where's my respect? By the way, I think the Lord's asking that question to some of us today. If I'm your father, if I'm your heavenly father, if I'm your master, why aren't you showing me honor and why don't you show me respect? By the way, I love my, uh, kid, my children and grandchildren But I can tell you one thing I will never put up with is disrespect. They know that Papa would do anything for them except put up with disrespect. Uh, And they know that. But it's a sign of love. And also it's a sign of them having the right character. The Lord goes on to say this. It says, And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts. O priests who despise my name. He goes, you despise my name. And the priests go, wait a minute. How are we despising your name? And in verse seven, it says, you are presenting defiled food upon my altar. That's the brazen altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? And the Lord answers, in that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. And they're going, wait, we don't get it. How are we despising you? Verse eight. But when you present the blind for a sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you present the lame and the sick, is that not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Now, what is he saying? When you come before me, you're to bring an unblemished animal, a perfect animal, but you're bringing lame animals, blind animals, uh, blemished animals. He goes, you couldn't get away with bringing that to your governor. You can't offer that to a man. Why would you do that to me? Now, here's what I want you to understand. God would do anything for you and give everything for you. Why is it so often that people who call themselves Christians despise God? And they, they act like they shouldn't give anything to God. Especially something good. Laura one time did an incredible teaching here that I took notes on where she talked about not bringing your leftovers to God. And that's very biblical, right? Amen. Yeah. And it was good teaching, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. And here's what I want you to know. He says, would you do that to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Would he receive you kindly? In verse nine, God goes on to say, but now will you entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with such an offering on your part? Will he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, no, God says, I'm not gonna do that. Verse 10, oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gates that you might not uselessly kindle fire on my altar. That's the brazen altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from you. He said, I won't accept anything you're doing. You know, Stevie, you know what he's saying? Is, is you and I, as leaders in the church, would we at least slam the doors and not let people in? You know, sometimes we ought to be saying, don't come in. You might say, but doesn't God want everybody? Yes, if they come with the right heart. Yeah. If they come in humility. You can't come despising God, disrespecting God. So in verse 11, it says, for from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, God says, my name will be great among the nations. And in every place, incense is going to be offered in my name. And a grain offering that is pure for my name will be great among the nations. He goes, but you, and he's talking to the the priest. And by the way, if you're a Christian, you're a priest. You are profaning it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruit, its food is to be des- fruit is uh, food is to be despised. Verse thirteen. You also say, "Oh, this one I, I get ready. My, how tiresome it is! Oh, what a drag that I got to go to church! Oh man, I hope that worship song ends. I hope the sermon's short today." Because you know what? My comfort's so important. And God goes, so you just act like how tiresome it is. I think so many times Christians do that to God. They don't come giving them their best, their best of who they are, the best of their day, the best of their energy. And he says, and you disdainfully sniff at it, says the Lord, and you bring what was taken by robbery and what is lame or sick. And so you bring the offering. Should I receive that from your hand, the Lord says. And he goes, but curse be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nation. Now you might say, but wait a minute, we're not doing temple sacrifice, tabernacle sacrifice. No, it's bigger than that. When you became a Christian, if you're a Christian, you said, I give my whole life to God. Are you truly giving your whole life to God or are you holding out on God? Do you give your energy? Do you give your time? Do you give your talents? Or do you despise the Lord? See, in tabernacle worship, it would be very apparent who was doing this and who wasn't. Now, now it's not as easy. See, I can't see into your heart. But is your heart really God's? is your praise really God's? Do you really love God more than anyone or anything? And the question has got to be asked to me too. So God said, what are you doing when you do this? And you might say, well, you know what? Uh, uh, We can't be that way. And I hope you would. So God said, I only want the best of the best brought to me. So the priest back then thought, all right, we're going to guarantee that's going to happen. And we're going to be the ones to inspect every animal before it makes it through the door of the tabernacle or the gates of the temple. And so only the best of the best can come in. Which led to people being ripped off And conned. Now, what am I saying? That between the time of Malachi and the time of Jesus, what they did is they came up with a a system of of ripping people off so that you would show up with your animal and the, the priest would stand outside and say, nope, that animal's no good. So you would take it over to somebody, you would sell it to them, then you would pay a huge price for one that the priest had declared clean. You would then bring it in and then they would wait for you to leave and bring that animal back out. And they would resell it. And they were making tons of money off people. By the way, if you came to give a financial offering, they would declare your money unclean. And then they would have you buy a clean money at an exorbitant price. And then when you left, they would just take your money, put it back in and sell that. That was called being a money changer. They would do the same with even the doves. They would do the same with all. And when Jesus saw that happening, Jesus was beside himself with anger. There were times he got angry. And twice he drove the money changers and the people who were selling the animals out of the temple area. Uh, he made a whip at least one of those times and drove them out. In uh, Matthew 21, verse 12, it says, And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers. By the way, in the seat of those who were selling doves. It's interesting, he only overturned the seats why he was protecting the animals. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you're making a robber's den. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus didn't do. He didn't say, stop bringing your sacrifices. He didn't say you could bring unblemished animals or blemished animals. What he did say is don't rip people off and let my house be a house of prayer. So what would happen is, if you were to go to the tabernacle, you would go to the temple, you would give one of five sacrifices to God. Uh, The first one was called the burnt offering. Uh, The burnt offering was the most expensive one. It was almost always a bull which back then would have been very expensive, very prized, very cherished, and you would come and you would offer that to God. And the idea behind the burnt offering is it would be burned till it was nothing but smoke and ashes, meaning it's a complete giving and dedication to God. You and I, when we become believers... We are to make a complete commitment to God. That's our burnt offering. And whenever you read about a burnt offering in the scriptures, that's when you can say, I'm giving myself completely to the Lord. No holding back. Everything about who I am, every moment of every day, every breath I take, every heartbeat I beat is going to be in dedication to God. And it's a complete commitment to God. The burnt offering was the first offering given. The second offering that was given was called the grain offering. And that was a thanksgiving offering to God. That's where you thank God for all the blessings he brings into your life. So they would bring those. They would offer that to God. They would not partake of any of it. It would just be given to the Lord. And and in that moment, they would be saying, I thank you, God, I thank you, God, I thank you, God, for all the blessings of my life. Uh, At least twice a year, Pam and I come up with an amount of an offering that God would want us to give so that we could give that to God as a thank you to all the blessings he's poured in our life. And whenever that time comes, it's so meaningful. It's so incredible to worship God that way because I'm so thankful for the life God's given me, the love God's given me, the friends God's given me, the church God's given me, the promises God has done, the times he's interceded. And so we do that. We come and give our grain offering to God that way. The next offering was called the peace offering, and the peace offering was one you would do to thank God for all the people in your life. So what you would do on the peace offering, you guys, is you would invite all your friends and family, and you would come and have like a Thanksgiving meal in the tabernacle before the Lord. Uh, You know, I see, Emma, you've been out with a lot of friends lately. I saw you on Instagram, and you guys are eating a lot together, right? We love food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Which, by the way, God loves food because you see that over and over. And God loved it when you would come and you would sit and you would feast together. You know, a lot of people know about fasting. We don't know as much about feasting. By the way, in the Bible, uh, we are to fast, but there's only one day that was ever a mandatory fast. That would be Yom Kippur, uh, the Day of Atonement, only for one day for a short period of time. But God would ask for you to feast at least seven times a year. So God's really into feasting. Uh, But he would have you do it with your friends. So you'd get together with your friends and have like the most amazing food and you would celebrate God together and the love that he's given you for other people. Then there were two more offerings. The sin offering and the guilt offering. Both of those are for sin. The sin offering is for sins you know you commit. In other words, you knew you were gonna commit it or you knew you committed it and then you would come and be forgiven of that. The guilt offering is for sin you don't know is sin, but you did it. By the way, all of us have sins we've committed, but we don't even know it. And, and, and so God says, but that's still sin. It's still sin. And so we would come before him and say, we wanna be forgiven. And that forgiveness comes from Jesus. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we know that we have forgiveness of sin based on a sacrificial death that Jesus died on the cross for every one of us. In Ephesians 2.13 it says this, but now you belong to Christ Jesus. Though you were once far away from God, remember the tabernacle worship is about being far away and coming close and it starts with the brazen altar and sacrifice. For us it starts with the cross where our sins are were paid for by Jesus on the cross. It says that though you were once far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him because of the blood of Christ. And so we know that we do not have to offer sacrifices any longer because Jesus offered the ultimate sacrifice for us. And because he did that, we commit our lives to him completely. We thank him for the life we have. We celebrate with other people in times of feasting and, and celebration. We know that he's forgiven our intentional sins and our unintentional sins. But we know we know it was priceless. Is it at a price that none of us could pay? It's interesting how things can take on value. Uh, my wife, Pam. Uh, her her sister Sue was at one time the owner of a hair salon in Norco, California. Our kids were little and Sue was amazing at at cutting hair, at styling. And so not only did we love Sue, we loved what she did. And it got to be a real treat to drive out as a family and, and go to Sue's hair salon. And I remember Sue was cutting my hair one time or with these little scissors like this. And I said, oh my gosh, those scissors are cool. And she said, yeah, but they're really expensive. I guess they're really expensive. And the next time I showed up, Sue goes, I got you a gift, and she gave me these. These are the actual scissors. And uh, you know what? They weren't, like, so expensive I couldn't afford them, but they definitely cost more than I would pay. (laughs) But she just gave them to me as a gift. A few years ago, Sue died tragically in a car accident. It was, hard. it was heartbreaking for Pam and I and, and all of our family. And I remember that I, I looked down because I know where these scissors always are and all of a sudden they grew in value. See, if I were to ask you how much these cost today, you might say $45. But these aren't $45 to me. This is priceless because of the love that Sue gave them to me, with And when I look at my life today, it's priceless because of what Jesus did for me to have it. And I want you to know that the way you enter into God's presence, the way you begin to experience him for not being far off from God, not having a big Grand Canyon divide with you and God is the precious blood of Jesus Christ that's priceless. But because he loved you so much, Because he cares about you so much, he wants to have that relationship with you. And that's what we begin to learn. How do we go from being far from God to close to him? God's intentional, perfect design is it starts with the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you and me. He is the Lamb of God that was slain. And he rose again from the dead so we could be free. Right now, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never completely committed your life to him and said, I wanna give my life to you, I wanna be yours, I I wanna be forgiven of all guilt and all shame, if you've never done that, I'm gonna ask you to pray a prayer with me right now to do that. It's Jesus's intentional design that you take two steps to begin a journey in life with him. The first is to pray a prayer of commitment. The second is to make it known. So right now, let's pray. Father, I want to pray right now for anybody who's, who needs to say yes to you, who needs to open their heart to you. Because, Lord, you love them. And you paid an incredible price so that each one of us could have a relationship with you. And I pray right now for anybody who's struggling or hurting or in pain. I pray right now, Lord, for anybody who's overcome with fear. I pray right now for anyone who's struggling to get by. Or, Lord, they're ashamed of the things they've done. Or they just right now are sensing they need you. Maybe there's, there's a guy right now, he's just sensing... You know what? He knows he doesn't know you. He knows he needs you. He knows you love him. And this is the step to take to go from being far from you to close to you. For some, it's for the first time. For some, it's to come back. So, Lord, I pray right now for anybody who needs to make this commitment, who needs to pray this prayer. I pray no matter where they are or when they're hearing this, that, Lord, your Spirit's touching them. And I pray they're going to pray the prayer right now. I'm going to ask you to pray it with me, either for the first time or to recommit. You could do it just you and I right now. You could do it with other people. If you're married, you could do it with your husband or wife. You could do it as a family. Just pray the prayer. Say these words. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me. And you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and from pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive. And I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And if those are the only words you can say, say it. Say, I say yes to you. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, praise God. If you prayed that prayer, praise God. But I want you to do this. If you prayed the prayer, that's the first step. The second step is to make it known. So I'm going to ask you to either text amen, which means the truth, to 77247 or go to crossroadschurch.family and click on I said yes. Please do it. We care about you. We want you to know God. We want to help you grow in your walk with God. And when you go make it known, something goes deeper. Something gets more powerful and profound in your life. So make sure and let us know either by texting amen or going to crossroadschurch.family. By the way, if you do, we want to send you a free electronic copy of a book called The Purpose Driven Life. It's our gift to you, and we just just want you to have it so you can know what next steps to take in your walk with God. So praise God if you said yes to him. Praise God if, if tonight you're already a believer. And let's remember that God wants to bring us far from him to close to him. And may you be close. Father, right now, as we go back into this time of worship, I pray, Lord, that we would experience you in a very real way. Your spirit would be upon us. Your love would overflow within our hearts. We would know, Lord, that we're coming now and you are pleased with the sacrifice of praise that we're bringing in Jesus' name, amen. God loves you so much, he designed the tabernacle for you and I to understand how we can go from being far from him to close to him. Why? Because his love is too good to leave you far away. His love for you is too good to let that happen. So make sure this week you grow close to him. Make sure this week you ask him to speak to you. Make sure this week you say, Lord, fill my heart with your love that I might show it to you and show it to others. And may you have a Holy Spirit empowered week. God bless you and see you soon.
1: Thanks again for joining us. Here at Crossroads, we're all about helping people taking their next step. So what's your next step?
2: Whether you made a decision to follow Jesus, want to get baptized, or you're interested in knowing more about God and the Bible through our Alpha class, we can help you take your next steps at crossroadschurch.family.
1: We also want to invite you to gather your friends and family to join us right here online again next week. We're live on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. or Sundays at 9 a.m. So if you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button and you'll never miss out on any new messages.
2: If you found this message encouraging, click the like button and let us know how we could pray for you this week in the comments. Finally, if your life is being impacted by Crossroads, and if you want to be a part of making an impact all over the world, you can head to crossroadschurch.family to do that now. Thanks again for watching. We'll See you next time.